Hello, everybody. Welcome to Hustling Sideways, episode number 25. Yes. That is the correct number Which this we time. messed up. I didn't realize that. Second time's a yes. charm. I'm Alan Hallis. I'm a music writer. And I am Jim here for the 25th time. Yes, Jim uh, Love. I, yes. I am a <laughs> keynote and motivational speaker and a writer, uh, and more to come on that. Okay, I'm some... a, I'm a music writer as well, mm-hmm. so I'm I'm interested in this new development. Yes. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, so... First of all, I want to just throw out something. About an hour ago, uh, before we recorded this, I got a bloody nose, and uh, and it like, <laughs> so I, I have like a, I was in a meeting, yes. in a video meeting, and and uh, like you know my work. And, and I and I, I just thought started I had happening, and, and I went to, and I and I wiped blood, and I was like, "Oh, guys, I, like I'm gonna come back in like two minutes." And I, I basically, you know, how like a boxer puts the, the little bit of tissue in the nose. Yeah. I came back to the video call with the tissue up the nose. Which your wife is notoriously your cut man. As yes, well. correct. Yeah. Yes, yes, as you've heard, but like kind of felt badass doing yeah. it in that way of like of, i was like all right like just got back from a boxing match like it was kind of funny i made like i totally took it to stride Did anybody but, else notice it on the call yes they all laughed like in unison oh so, okay yeah, great. yeah no it was it was good it went, you should have really just well. said it was like a zoom filter or something <laughs> right? and they're like oh no it's just this is a new it's one weird the ai that yeah. they've got but i can't get uh, out of it right yeah. yeah so if you are in doubt getting a bloody nose which happens for the record <laughs> and no i was not picking my nose i know that's a question people ask i just ended that's up having logically the second question i throw in the tissue and uh, give yourself a little, little look for the afternoon that people were not expecting. I so like it. That's it's my, little, that's my life tip for the day. Tough edge. I uh, like that. Oh, you know me. I'm a very, very tough edge. Notorious Notoriously tough edge kind of guy. The name yeah. says love. <laughs> Everything it. else says total Total antonym of that. Yeah. So. so welcome to episode 25 on that note. And <laughs> yes. We are excited you're all here. We have a we have a great episode. Uh, we are back at Alan's studio, ready to rock. It's, <laughs> yes. uh, we're rolling into 2022. Um, and Alan, I'm going to let you introduce our guest today. Yes, today we have the CEO of Select Sales, uh, and she's also the author of Mischift, Myth Shift. It's a, it's a tongue twister <laughs> for me. Um, we have Merritt Khan, who is here uh, joining us via Zoom from Colorado, a uh, favorite well, state. Number three from Colorado. <laughs> yes, Merritt, thank, yeah. you. thank you for living where you live. <laughs> well, you are welcome. I figured third time's a charm. You've had a slew of uh, Colorado guests, so I am going to be, I think I'm number three for you. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. It wasn't by design, but I think it just kind of happened that I, way. We thought we out. were originally going to do all stuff local to our Milwaukee area, mm-hmm. and now Colorado seems to be the place to be. So, yeah. so now we may just yeah. move there. A second knows? home. Yeah. yeah, that'll be it. <laughs> it's so. where all the interesting people live. That's just true. <laughs> it's a very true statement. Yes. <laughs> Um, so give us a little bit of background about who you are, Merritt, and, and I mean, a little bit more about, uh, about, um, Alan's got to look at his sales. notes. Hang on. Yes. He's like- <laughs> it's been a long day. Tell me a little bit more about select sales and, and what you do there. Sure. So I, uh, I run select sales. We spell it S E L L E C T, uh, because we're, uh, it's all about selling. selling. However, we really want people to stop selling in the traditional sense of the word and start getting selected. And that's why we spell it funny. Ooh, um, like terrible that. for URL, but you know, if you get the, if you get it right, when you type it in the search, you'll find us. Um, <laughs> so, you know, the, the idea here is, well, first of all, I have been in sales, sales management, training, coaching, consulting since 98. And um, I really focused my practice on uh, entrepreneurs and businesses that sell custom solutions, creative solutions, you know, nothing that you could just buy online. It's not like a widget. You want to, you know, spend five cents less and mm-hmm. it's not that kind of transaction, but 
but really working with professionals who wouldn't necessarily consider themselves salespeople. They're really good at what they do. They're experts in their field. And it's frustrating for them to be thought of as like a, as a, like, you know, a, a quote unquote salesperson. Mm -hmm, right. They, you know, so we really work with them to use their expertise, to ask the best questions, to shorten the sales cycle to expand on opportunities so that they're more profitable. Um, and it's uh, it's been a good ride. Very cool. I like it. Yeah. I like it a lot. I do love how those two philosophies come together. You know, I mean, that's that's a it's a and 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 SELL is in all caps. I know, which is like kind of yes. like the cool. But yeah, that's that's pretty sweet. <laughs> and, um, and then on the side, uh, your side hustle is something pretty unique. That um, I guess when I think about it, kind of goes a little bit hand in hand with sales. Not necessarily uh, on the surface, though. Uh, you've got a one woman show, so tell me a little bit more about the one woman show that you have put together. Well, in 2014, I did a stand-up comedy class with a legit comedian, and she taught me how to really construct a good, tight joke. And after about a two-and-a-half-week workshop, um, the, and the culmination of the session was doing seven minutes of original comedy for a live audience. And that was about the most fun I had ever had in my entire life. And I'm very comfortable in front of people like like you, Jim. I'm a keynote speaker. I've done a lot of professional speaking um, on sales topics, you know, companies and organizations and associations and sales kickoff meetings. And they bring me in to share some idea that was that would impact sales. Right. So, you know, in, whether it's inspiring people or giving somebody like real content, Every time I'm invited to speak at a, an event like that, it's really the content that's that that is of value. Mm -hmm. And, you know, if I can give them a good delivery, that's nice. Right. It's mm -hmm. kind of like they're buying the content and um, they hope that it's delivered well, which I do. Uh, <laughs> what I wanted to learn was how to be very funny on purpose <laughs> instead of just you know, working off the responses of an audience or in, mm -hmm. you know, being in the moment. And yeah. so that was why I took the class was really to be better at my business. And unfortunately, what happened was I fell in love with stand up comedy. <laughs> and then I ended up uh, writing and writing, I kept writing. And for my 50th birthday, I can't believe I just said that on your air. Uh, <laughs> I decided I was going to do 50 minutes of original stand-up comedy for my 50th birthday. And the wow. original plan was rent a bar, put my friends in there, do some comedy for them. Mm -hmm. And then it ended up because I, you know, do a lot of professional speaking and I had a lot of stories and I can't help but want to inspire people wherever I go, that it ended up being more like a show with <sighs> costume changes and a set and a message <laughs> oh and wow. you know it's so now i have plans to take the show on the road as they say and do a u.s tour well now that covid is sort of hopefully a little bit more in the rearview mirror at fingers this stage crossed knock on wood yes <laughs> yeah so that's the plan yeah that is awesome that's an amazing story of how you got there um we we talked about this on a different show earlier that we you know, we I grew up watching comedy, watching mm -hmm. stand up comedy. I mm -hmm. believe you did, I too, did too as well, Jim. Yeah. yeah. Um I'm fascinated by I'm kind of a comedy nerd in the sense of like I'm fascinated by like the 
the crafting of mm-hmm. jokes and like how people get into that itch to say like, okay, I think I, I'm funny enough to be on stage and to do that. Merit, is that something that you, you know, did you always grow up? Did you think you were funny growing up? Like, you know, um, what, what was that like for you? Was that something that just came natural? You know, it was really fascinating. I, I think I've always been somebody you would have considered funny. Like for me, I was that person like when a situation would get heavy or tough or stressful, I would be the one to lighten the mood Mm -hmm. by throwing in a joke. Sometimes it was inappropriate, not not (laughs) an inappropriate joke, but inappropriate in terms of like sometimes you need to be in those difficult moments Mm -hmm. and just you know, handle that the discomfort for a little while to get past something. And and I I could be derailing in those kinds of situations. And I learned that that wasn't always the right thing to do. But when I did the stand up course and I had people from my life who've known me for years be in that audience, there were a few people that came up to me and said, I didn't know you were that funny. <laughs> and it was like, Hmm. Um, thanks. Yeah. I don't know how to like take that. Kind yeah. of compliment. Fair enough. Appreciate that. I think. Um, but what was fascinating to me was that it gave me permission in some sense to really show up and be funny. Mm-hmm. And I think that it really expanded. Certainly it helped my business because I really was wanting to be more, um, funny on stage, and I marketed that, and so i i got uh, I got speaking gigs because people started to recognize me as as funny mm-hmm. with a good message, which was so different than how I used to market, which was I have good content and it's easy to take because I'll make them laugh a little bit. Yeah. Right. But then I started to flip it, and you know I got more business that way and I actually had more fun so I really have been embracing the funny part that's so cool to create a new brand within what you're doing and I, I like I you know people hiring you because of ha- having that extra step and I'm, I'm curious just from a speaker standpoint so I I can imagine in your original talks you know, you you're sort of in control of the room you know you know what you're going to say you, you know what what you're selling people aren't necessarily there for you in a sense like it's a mm-hmm. it's it's a somewhat controlled environment you know and and and, uh, and it's not unpredictable now when you move into stand up no control right like i just like i i've done stand up ish like i did in college and i wasn't good i mean just straight up like i i, I didn't do a good <laughs> job you know and in 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 the part for me that i i couldn't control was it it was you know like like that I, I didn't I didn't have control over the audience where, where they, they really were there to see me and to laugh at it. And if like one part wasn't funny, it threw off the entirety. So like was was there like a like a weird, you know, a kind of transformation from, you know, the sort of this more control into let's see what happens with this comedy. And, and how did that process feel for you? Wow, that's a great, insightful question. Let me let me unpack that sure. one a little bit. I think that, um, you know, I. Well, first of all, I never want to blame the audience for how they're being and the way that it impacts my performance. And you'll hear a lot of performers like, oh, you know, it was a it was a tough crowd tonight. It was a it was a, a tough audience. And I get and I guess from my perspective, and that's probably the sales background, like your prospect gets to be however they are. And if you want to be 
effective with them, then it's up to the person in the sales role to adapt and make sure that the prospect is comfortable to have a real straightforward conversation. Mm-hmm. And I take that same philosophy to performing because the audience gets to be how the audience is, right? If it's a Friday and they're tired from a long week, you know, I've got to I've got to meet them where they are and then bring them to the place where I can provide that that entertainment or what it is that mood shift. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so it's it's funny to think about it. And, and actually, I never really articulated it until you asked me that question. But you know, coming from a sales background where I teach people how to, you know, create the environment in terms of the mood. Um, so that you're you're meeting a prospect where they are and then bringing them along for the journey so that they can discover why they really need what you're offering. And I think comedy is in a very real sense the same way. Totally, um, and totally. you know, to the extent that I, you know, some a lot of times I'll do I'll serve as the MC in the opening act, and that's mm-hmm. a really tough place um, for a comedian. Uh, and I'm, you know, I'm still in the early phases of my comedy career, but, you know, it's it's tough because you have to get the audience on your side. And it's not just for the for the benefit of your set. It's for the benefit of the entire show and particularly yeah, the headliner totally. yeah. who needs a warm audience. That's so interesting. And I, and I was just thinking about, um, you know, really meeting the audience where they're at. And and it's funny because I had just differentiated the sense of of the speaking you did to what you do now. And then the dot I just connected in my head is, well, you know, if I'm speaking to a room full of wild eighth graders versus yeah. a room full of 23 year old college students who like are hungover, like that's, that's a, that's a big difference of how much energy I'm going to have. And I build off right. of that. So in the end, it is like you are still selling something and you have to know the context of the audience in which you're walking into. And you may actually not know until 30 seconds in the time. I've had that where I'm like, this audience is fired up and I come out and like, you know, the first I joke I give is just like, I'm like, well that, okay. Like, I guess <laughs> we're going to go a little lower, you know, for this. And so it depends. And that's a, it's a really good, you know, that's, that's a really fascinating, uh, you know, tidbit to take away, just especially from, from comedy being, being so specific in terms of the emotion you're trying to emit from people and you have to meet them where they're at. So yeah. that's, that's a good yeah. point. Uh, it's funny because I think I learn. I think I've learned lessons from comedy that I've applied to my business. Oh yeah, and I've certainly learned lessons from business that I apply to comedy. <laughs> One of the things was, you know, they say that you, if you haven't bombed on a stand-up stage, you haven't done enough. <laughs> and so I had my opportunity to bomb. I was absolutely, absolutely bombed. Like they, like it, real, like every joke was like a lead balloon. It would just, <laughs> it just didn't work. And at so I was, I was still pretty new um, to comedy. I was going through a divorce at that time. And I happened to be in Toronto for business for a week. So I thought, well, as long as I'm here, I'll, I'll see what kind of, you know, open mics there are around. And there, there was a, a club that had, that I called up and I just said, Hey, I'm a visiting comic from Denver. And can I get a few minutes on your stage? And, and they said, sure. And it was about 1030 at night on a Wednesday. Oh, now peak time. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it was a great audience. Right. Um, but you know, again, to my point, meet them where they are. Mm-hmm. Well, I didn't have a lot of depth in my comedy. I had basically one set that I did over and over and over again. And it was about marriage and divorce, but the people in a comedy club at 1030 at, uh, at night on a Wednesday probably haven't been married yet. They certainly aren't married now. They are the single young people, you know, and and in Canada. Right. So they're super nice. And my jokes were kind of mean. And 
and literally I heard two women sitting right in front at the table, right in front. And I heard one of them say to the other, God, like she's a little mean. Oh, and wow. I thought, oh my God, I'm, I didn't read the room. I didn't know my audience. Now, now I have enough depth in my comedy that I would look at that audience and go, okay, um, I'm going to go with the dating jokes. Cause this is a dating age. There you go. Group. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And and maybe like leave the marriage stuff behind like they're like the kid jokes aren't going to land. Right. But so say and in a keynote or a, a business training, I would have done that homework in advance. Right. Because mm-hmm. I'm going to learn a little bit about my audience. So I know that the message that I'm bringing them and the content is going to be relevant to them. But in comedy, you don't get that opportunity to, you know, interview the the people about like who's going to be in the room that night. Right. Um, I don't know. People that want to laugh and drink, yeah. <laughs> like, you know, so. So I think the business lesson of knowing my audience and how I learned to read a room you know, made me a better comedian, but also having those comedy at bats makes me better on the, on the training side too. That's a good point. And, you know, and then you realize you can't be in front of a bunch of Canadians and make fun of Tim Hortons. I'm just assuming that's what you did. That's probably why. (laughs) Yeah. Bad idea. Bad idea. You know, don't, don't slam hockey in Canada. It won't go over well. No, it won't work. (laughs) Um, So, I don't know why this is popping into my head uh, just because of everything that we're talking about, but there's a, a Jerry Seinfeld bit from mm-hmm. years ago that um, that talks about people's like biggest fears and that death was number two to public speaking. <laughs> and the, the punchline is that I'd rather, you know, more people would rather be in a casket than up on stage doing what he's doing. Um, so that makes me think of, you know, not only public speaking, but uh, for business and for comedy. Um, were you always somebody that, was kind of outgoing or, or did that have to be kind of more of an acquired thing? Like how'd you get your start in speaking uh, with, with public speaking for business? Well, I was doing some marketing talks to grow my sales training business. So really it started as, you know, speaking to business associations, chambers of commerce, things like that um, because I wanted to sell seats in my training course. Mm -hmm. And one time I had somebody come up to me after one of those free talks. I mean, you know, I was basically sort of selling from the back of the room, but I wasn't being salesy. I was giving good information and then people wanted to get more. And when someone came up to me at the end of that program and said, oh my gosh, you know, this was such a good program and we'd love to have you come to our group. We probably can't afford you um, how much do you charge for these? And, you know, the answer was, well, um, nothing, <laughs> you know, like, right. but I thought this is an interesting question. And I knew enough to ask another better question. So I said, well, um, what do you, what kind of honorarium do you typically offer your speakers? Right. Yep. <laughs> and Good. she, you know, she said whatever number she said. And I was like, you know, it's not my usual fee, but I, I think I could work with that. I like it. I like it. <laughs> oh, you already awesome. didn't have the normal fee and you could already yeah. go a little higher. So for you've that. learned a trick of the trade yeah. very quickly. That's yeah, it. That's it. yeah I did. And and uh, and now, truthfully, they couldn't afford me. But, you know, <laughs> but there are certain groups where, you know, if it's a right match and I like to leave a couple of opportunities on my calendar especially now that video programs are so prevalent, you know, that was one of the good things that came out of this whole, you know, experience is people are kind of open to that now, or they might not have been before. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I have been able to, and I, I like giving my expertise to people who would really appreciate it. And especially if it's a, a good 
group where it might there might be people that could be good candidates for some of our training programs. Like, yeah, let's do something. But it is a revenue stream and it is something that um, I've worked very hard to get good at. And, you know, it's a profession. So there's that, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I'm also interested in the production side of things. And, you know, you said you had a, a comedy set that kind of evolved quickly into costume changes and and set design and whatever else that was involved with it. Um, when you're crafting this, did you know that, hey, there's a potential here for this to be a traveling show? Or did you just kind of think this is going to be a one-off, it's going to be one night, and we're going to just have a blast with it? The original intention was it was going to be one night, have a blast. It wasn't about it wasn't about money. It wasn't about anything other than I just wanted to share my story. And essentially, the the script is it, it's basically the journey back to who I've always been as sort of the the theme. Mm-hmm. And and I talk about my five decades. Each decade has a theme and a and some stories and um just some really funny stuff, but I took everything that was painful in my life and I rewrote it through the lens of a stand-up comedian. So essentially uh, it's my story, but it's really everybody's story, right? Because mm-hmm. we've all had ups and downs. And my intention is you leave the theater thinking, wow, it's, if she can laugh about some of the th- stories that she told about her life, then maybe I can laugh about some of the stories that have been frustrating or difficult times for me in my life. Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. and so that was really the pure intention the problem was at the end of the show, I just knew I could not leave it there with that right. one performance. In fact, all of the promotions said one night only. And I'm like, oops, sorry about that. I guess I lied. <laughs> yeah, right. um, I had more fun than any person is allowed to have. Um, and I just knew I, I would do it again. So the plan, I, I actually had booked a theater um, it for May of 2020. And Obviously, that got canceled. Yeah. And so here we are recording this in the beginning of 2022. And I am excited about bringing that show back onto a stage. That'll happen at the end, of, towards the end of this year. Nice. Awesome. So um, I'm very excited about that. And I'm right now, and that's why I'm doing podcasts and things like this. And, you know, it's time to build the audience and get some people on the list so that when I do announce the dates and the tour, mm-hmm. um, people can come and see it because it it's really a fun show. I love it. We'll get it out there. No, that's, yeah, that's great. Absolutely. And I, I, I'm, uh, I definitely echo the thought, you know, of, of, you know, you wrote it to, to have a blast for a night, you know, and have a good experience. And, and that's, that's completely why I wrote my, my keynote that I gave. It was, it was for a specific event and it was something that I was passionate about. And, and I, I never envisioned that being a thing that would spread more, you know? Right. And, and, and then I finished and to your point, Merritt, I was like, that was awesome. I want to do that again. <laughs> like, yeah. I, where, how do I sign me up? You know, and I obviously had to find opportunities that would, you know, pull me in to, to have me do it. But my goodness, I mean, I remember the moment when I like connected with a student for the first time and I'm like, oh, wow, like that was, that was really cool. I think yeah. I even like said it on stage. I was like, <laughs> this is pretty sweet. I, I feel like I can come back, you know? So, and it's amazing how you could just find a passion like that. Like you have to do it, you know? And, and I don't think, you know, you know, you really don't know you're going to love something until you do it. And then once you find it, continue to do it, you know, find whatever ways you can to, to continue to explore that and to get better at it. Right. And, and then you found ways to just fully connect it with different parts of your life. And I, I do want to say, I, I like that, you know, with, with you writing this show, with it being the decades of your life and taking some tough parts and putting it into comedy, people relate to comedy. Right. And I think that's an important takeaway. You know, they leave and they're like, well, 
things aren't that bad, you know, like, yeah. like I'm, I'm going to be okay. And I think that's, that's not only is it therapeutic, but like it's, it's needed, you know, people, people want to go out and see someone's actual life and, and kind of laugh it off, you know, cause at the end of the day, we take ourselves too damn seriously. I don't think there's any question <laughs> about that, that like, like most of our lives we're, we're taking too seriously. It's like, just relax, watch this show. Don't be offended. You know what I mean? Like, like in, enjoy yeah. it. And I think to write it and make it really personal had to be terrifying for you. Number one, to put like your whole life, out there and make it funny. I, I'm curious of like how that went, but then to see the reaction to it had to be good. But like, were you afraid to give a product that is like, I wrote this and I, you know, it's about my life. It's supposed to be funny. I hope people feel that way. <laughs> I hope people laugh at my life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I, I had the good fortune to work with uh, another very talented comedian and keynote speaker. Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out Karen Ruth White. She's an un- absolutely incredible keynote coach. I've worked with her on other projects. And so I knew that the script was fantastic. I, there was really no doubt that people would laugh. Um, so the challenging part was, yeah, how, how open do I want to be with like (laughs) (laughs) some of my personal stories, but you know, there's something that happens and maybe it's just, it, it's just sort of the natural course of action when, when a person or particularly a woman turns 50, you know, you just kind of get to this age, like, really, this is, you know, I kind of don't care. Like, this is my life. (laughs) This is the truth. And if you can't, if you're not along for the ride, like, okay, I I, I don't really, I don't really care. I, I really, I wrote it. I wrote it for me. And I knew that because it, I was able to really, see my life story differently when it didn't have, when the hard times didn't have any charge for me anymore. Mm -hmm. I knew there was so much power in that. And I think it really hit me when um, I watched the testimonial videos. I had a videographer there and he went around and, and asked people as they were leaving the theater, you know, what was their experience of the show? And I would say, you know, uh, the majority of people in the room and there were uh, 175 people. We sold out this this theater in Denver. And uh, I would say, you know, 70 percent of them knew me. Right. Like if this was a big deal. It was my 50th birthday. It was my right. one woman show. People we're kind of curious, like, you know, maybe it's like waiting for the baton twirler to drop the baton. Like, <laughs> you know, like maybe they were looking for a train wreck. But um, there was a woman that was on the testimonial video. I don't know who she is. But she said she's the last testimonial on the the compilation promo video that I ended up creating for the show. And she said um, her story was about the journey back to who she's always been. And I could relate to that. And she almost said it with like she was tearing up. And I thought, I don't even know this woman, but that's what I wanted to happen. Mm -hmm. I wanted people to have that experience through laughter that she didn't have to, you know, she could make a a change in her life, like the changes I made in mine that really shifted everything for me. And, um, you know, if I could, I think that was what had me want to do it again, Mm -hmm. right? It wasn't it wasn't all about the standing ovation and and the laughter. Although you know, once you get that, <laughs> once you get that, you want that, it's kind of addicting. Um, 
but it's about the impact. And, mm-hmm. and I think the, the other fascinating thing that I've been Im- imagining for, for the pro for the show is when I take it on the road, I also want to, you know, I also want to do workshops with, with people who want to rewrite the story of their own life. And so there were very specific things that I did when I wrote the script for the show that had me find the stories in my life, find the lessons, find the laughter. And I'd really like to be a person that, you know, I'd love for in the perfect world, you'd see the show and you'd think, wow, I wonder what my life would look like as a comedy skit. And and then you come to the weekend or the, the one day or the two day workshop and you get a chance to experience that for yourself. Not not that you're necessarily going to write a show and do all the performance stuff, but that you can have access to your life through the lens of comedy. And that's what I want for people. Yeah. And I think that that's very cool because that is something pretty unique to comedy that is hard for most people to do. I think even in the public speaking sense mm-hmm. or in anything is to you have to take you know, essentially what is very personal to you flip it and then now make that appropriate to everybody else's life. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Like it has to be like a catch all and that's hard to do. And I think that gives you new perspectives on not only your own life, but you're, you're suddenly kind of thinking kind of like a marketer, you know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like you, you have to think about somebody else's thoughts and intentions and you, you're kind of playing this big guessing game of like, what's going to make them laugh. Mm -hmm. What's going to make them, you know, like speaking for the room. Yeah. It's like in a way. Yeah. 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 I, and I think you really found, you know, with with the woman's comment that she gave you, like that's that's your why, you know, and you 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 found the why of why why would you want to do this, and you want to make everyone feel that way, you know. Yeah. And I and I've had that similar experience connecting with with a student. It's like, you know, he taught me how to be myself. I'm like, that's that's my why, you know. I want to if if I can hear that from any kid, that's that's why I keep going and why I ask for feedback. First of all, right. I, I I ignore the negative feedback. I just <laughs> I act like it doesn't. You know, I just say I didn't get any negative. I'm fine. No, but uh, ha- having that. <laughs> really powerful and, and to look back on that and realize it's something you created and, and are passionate about is a value someone found value to it and and uh, and, it, and it changed someone's perspective and i i mean that's that's what it's all about right that's that's what you want to do and and you can continue Absolutely. you know the more people you reach the, the more that's going to happen yeah I, I think it's funny because i think you know it's um it's what i've always been drawn to do is help people see a bigger possibility for themselves and I think, you know, in many ways, that's what drew me to to sales and sales training, coaching, consulting, speaking, right? Because it's all about uh, asking people to really stop and take a moment to see that there's a new possibility, like working, you know, if you buy this thing that I'm offering, then there's something new that's available to you that isn't there, that wasn't there before. And that's what I essentially teach my clients to do. And, and one of the things I start my keynotes with is, is a very simple question, but I think it's one of the most important, impactful questions we can ask ourselves. And it's certainly something that we want to ask our prospects and our clients. And it's simply this, have you already decided it can't get any better or are you open to a new possibility? Wow. I mean, Think about that question for a moment. Have you already decided it can't get any better or are you open to a new possibility? Because when you ask yourself that question, then you you have, you know, most of us wouldn't self-identify as somebody who's closed minded. Right. So, um, in fact, there was a study, I think it was out of Pepperdine University. It's it was I was in a book that I read and they say basically 95 um, percent of people 
self-assessed that they were more open-minded than the average. Now, I don't know what school you guys went to, but (laughs) 95% of us cannot be better than the average. (laughs) Like not even new math. It just doesn't work. I would even say 95% of the people standing in this room that I'm in with Ellen could could say, could say out of the two of us. Yes. yes, I would. Yeah. I'm not going to point out which one, but yeah. I I mean, it's me. No. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So it's fascinating. And that's why, you know, we want to capitalize this. And this is something that I'm, I'm always talking about in my presentations. Those four simple words, are you open to mm-hmm. really can transform your sales. They can transform your business, your relationships. You know, there's so much that's possible. And at the end of the day, that's really my why. I want people to be open to new possibilities. And that's why the show, that's why the script works because you can't sit there in that audience and think, wow, you know, I'm, I, I don't see any possibilities for my own life because she, she showed me several examples about times throughout her life where she didn't think something was possible and then bam, she made it happen. And, and I want that for my clients and my sales training business. And I want that for my, you know, any audience member in my keynotes. And I want that for every audience member in my comedies, you know, show. And that's really what it's about. I've got two questions and they're kind of, they're kind of back and forth. They kind of relate off of each other. Um, The first one is kind of what is harder for you? Do you think to do a a comedy set for somebody like a group, a room full of people or to do a keynote at this point? Ooh, because um, <laughs> they're, they're different kind of intentions, yeah. but I know you kind of tie them together a little bit. I think I would say doing a keynote for me at this point is probably the uh, I hate to say easier, but it's it's a more well-worn pathway. Right. right? So I've had almost 20 years of doing, you know, content rich programs that connect with audiences in a business world. Mm -hmm. And that's, you know, I know I have content that connects. I know, I know how to work a room like that Mm -hmm. comedy. I feel like I'm still learning that craft. And, you know, while I have a leg up on some other stand-up comedians that may have had, that may be in comedy about the same amount of time as, as me, because I've got more stage time and comfort with a microphone and all of those like technical things. Um, but I, I feel like I'm still developing my skills in the comedy world. And I don't necessarily see myself as, you know, touring as a stand-up comedian. I really want to do my show and maybe write another show. And, you know, but I, I think I've got a lot to learn in terms of marketing and selling and producing Mm -hmm. a show like that so maybe one of your listeners wants to be my agent or (laughs) that's going to be a new side side hustle Uh uh-huh yeah we're we're picking up on some hustles here yeah (laughs) um the other thing that i wanted to ask too is because your first show you said was your 50th birthday you had a lot of people around that you knew is it harder to perform for a group of people that you know or is it or for a group of strangers because I, I I have a definite thought in my head of mm-hmm. what would be bad, you know, the worst one for me, me and that would be being around my family for an entire same, show. Total same. To, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think um, I think there's a little bit more pressure when you know the people yeah. in your audience because if they don't like it, it's it's awkward for them at the end, right? Mm-hmm. Like 
you know, do they just leave the theater? You know that they're there. Do they have to like give you that polite, like, oh, that was great. You know, (laughs) you know, and you can tell like when somebody really appreciates it or really enjoyed it versus a very mediocre, like, nice job. job. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. (laughs) Perfect. Yeah. <laughs> um, so there, yeah, I think there's just a lot more pressure when you know people in the audience. Yeah. But but then again, uh, when you crush it, you're kind of like, damn, I wish everybody I knew was there. <laughs> yes, 100 percent. Of course, of course. So I don't do the, the public speaking thing, mm-hmm. but I, part of what I do as a music writer, I also actually put on concerts and promote and things like that. And the shows where nobody is there and everything goes great, like nobody I know is there <laughs> and everything goes great. Yes, I can totally relate wish, to that yeah, and be yeah. like, that is the one where you're like, oh, I wish, you know, X, Y, and Z person was there as opposed to the one where you're, all your friends and family are there and then things fall apart yeah, and then nothing yeah. happens on time. And it's, and, it's funny too because like I remember the first like keynote I gave that my family came to was at my high school a couple years ago. And, yeah. Um, like I'm pretty energetic, you know, whatever, but like they didn't know I was about to like turn up. Like, oh, like, okay. I, like I come out and like I was – I you like, gotta be Mr. Energy. I like a go, bit. I go wild, and 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 like just like seeing my mom and dad watch that was just like a funny, like a, it threw me off for a second. Like I forgot they were there, you know. Right. And then I would come back. I mean, it was it went really well, and obviously they're incredibly supportive. But it was just like a funny moment where I was like, well, this is kind of my, you know, it's not like I'm different on stage. I just bumped my nose, and I'm like, sorry, <laughs> it's not like I'm different on stage, but like. I have a little bit of a persona. You amplify I, it. I don't yeah. think they had ever seen that. So it was just like, I was like, oh yeah, that's right. This is me. You yeah. know, it was, it was, it was pretty wild. <laughs> uh, Merit, speaking to that, do you ever feel like you have to like really turn it up and amplify your, your personality when you're performing or, or is it kind of very true to you? Oh, that's a great question. <laughs> I think when I go into sort of performer mode and I'm a little bit above, I think, you know, you have to be a little bit more energized from a stage to connect with everybody. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, I've learned that when it's when I'm when I turn it on too much, it doesn't it loses the authenticity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think what I've really worked on is just keeping myself in check so that I remind myself, you know, connecting with an audience is it's having it's having everybody, whether it's a keynote audience or a a theater audience, it's having everybody think I'm talking just to them. I'm telling them the story. I'm I'm coaching them one on one. And I think that's probably the biggest one of the biggest compliments I've gotten is, you know, when people leave an audience and say, you know, like, oh, my God, you I felt like you were talking right to me like that. You were singing my song. And so I think, you know, from an energy perspective, sure, you have to be energetic. But if you go overboard, it's the quickest form of disconnect for an audience. Mm -hmm. So. Two things. Number one, I I'm like clapping over here at every comment you just made because I'm totally with you, and that is the best compliment you can get. And you and I should connect more because I think we have a lot in common in in the way that we approach um, our audiences. So let's make sure we do that when this is done. Um, Absolutely. Perfect. Second thing is, uh, I would love to hear maybe like your favorite joke that 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 you have, or, or uh, you know, if you have like a short one you can give us, or, or uh, something along, like you know, one one of your one of your favorite, favorite ones. Bit from the yeah, show. yeah, like a, like a small one, and and uh, yeah, if you feel like doing uh, it. <laughs> that's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard because the the set sort of builds on each other. I don't know that I I want to give you what you asked for, gentlemen, but I don't know that I can I can do that on demand. <laughs> there you go. You're just okay. gonna have to. 
Well, that's all right, because we're going to make sure everybody goes and sees the show. I was going to say, the show's coming, so this is going to be an opportunity. I actually, maybe I knew you were going to say no, and it was going to be like a a cliffhanger for, by the way, guys, the only way to see it is by going to see the show. (laughs) So you are welcome for that that little uh, tip. Yes. In the meantime, this has been wonderful. Thank you so much for taking the time to sit down and talk with us about the show. I've learned so much about Mm -hmm. about you and, and, and... the show and comedy in general and i can talk comedy forever but that's i'm glad that uh you're out there doing this um if people want to get in touch with you if they want to follow you if they want to find you know when the show is coming out uh where are the best places to connect with you Merritt? the best place would be meritcon.com so it's m-e-r-i-t-k-a-h-n.com and if you so on that site you can click on a tab called speaking and you can watch the promo from video from the show which is fun you'll hear that sound bite from that woman that i mentioned <laughs> and um then if you put a meritcon.com slash podcast forward slash podcast there's a uh, place to enter in your contact information and i'll send you some stuff on uh some business you know tips and tricks for to grow business and also you'll get added to the list and so you'll know when the when the show is coming to a town near you sweet Fantastic. i like it yeah. very awesome well thank you so much yeah, for doing you. that uh if you, you guys want to listen to this podcast and more if you want to you know subscribe to this podcast uh you can do that wherever you get your podcasts you can also find us online uh we are on twitter instagram and facebook at hustle and sideways uh, we have an email if you have you a sure side do. hustle yep. uh if you have a side hustle and and you want to be on this show and and want to talk to us we are certainly open to that sort or of thing or if you just want to talk to us just yeah, generally just, if you feel like stopping by to just say general hi. hellos yeah, yeah. We, we welcome that too. we'll invite you to the house it's cool yeah we'll be good uh, um, you can do that. It's hustling sideways at gmail.com. Merritt, thank you once again for, uh, for taking the time to do this. We appreciate it. My pleasure. Thanks guys. Of course. All right. And we will see you next time here on the hustling sideways show. That's going to be episode 26. Jim. That'll be 26. That's we got. We're going to get the numbers <laughs> right T6. on this one. Yes. So in the meantime, we will see you next time on hustling sideways. Keep on hustling. <laughs>